0: Good morning, Liberty Church. I'm glad to be here. I hope you guys are too. And can we just start off this morning with just saying that, you know, how good God is. And, and he's not just good. He's, he's great, if we're being honest. And, and if you're like me, he's been better to you, to you than you've probably been to him. And, you know, if, if you woke up this morning, which it looks like most of you guys did, that means God still has a plan for your life. And if you had food in your pantry this morning, you had breakfast, you got nice clothes to wear. You look sharp, by the way. You did good. Hey, if your car cranked the very first time this morning, because not everybody's does, you've got a reason to be thankful. So I would encourage you to come into this house this morning with an attitude of gratitude, not just because it rhymes, but because it's the right thing to do, with an attitude of expectation, because, guys, we're in the house of the Lord, right? You came here for a reason. So, let's pray and get this thing started. Father God, Lord, we invite you into your own house, God. The words are your words. We are your people. God, the breath in my lungs is a gift from you. So, God, today we give it all back to you, God. We just ask that you would inhabit the words that are amplified through these speakers, God, and that you would change your people to be more like you and less like ourselves. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. All right, so what a privilege. And I want you to know, I mean, it is a privilege for me to be up here this morning. I do not take it lightly. This is my first time doing this kind of thing on a Sunday morning, so it's a real leap of faith from Pastor Keith and Kelly and the staff here. So thank you guys for your faith and trust. But normally my family and I, we, we attend here at uh, 930. We actually sit right over there. Someone's in my seat, but... I'm going to let you have it this week. I'll, I'll be back next week. But we sit right over there every morning because Lord knows there's no way we could make 8 o'clock service. Or is it 8.30, 8 o'clock? I forget already. But my, my, my family, they were like, what do you mean there's an 8 a.m. service? They didn't even know 8 a.m. on Sunday existed, much less there was a church service. <laughs> but anyways, you know, my, my family and I, we've, we've been going here for a couple of years. And Liberty is very special. To my family and to me because when, when my wife and I, we first started dating, she, she's from here, I'm not. So when I came here and she, she introduced me, uh, immediately she brought me straight to church and she introduced me to many of y'all and to her pastor and to her friends and, and what I thought at the time was just a, a friendly meet and greet. It was actually a test um, you know, kind of running me through her friends and people she trusted, kind of getting the thumbs up or the thumbs down off to the side. And fortunately, here we are. Apparently I passed and I guess I should for that. If, if you were one of the thumbs downs, I'm sorry, maybe we can work it out, but, but here we are. Right. Um, and not long after that, um, during a encounter weekend, we just talked about encounter on the video. Rachel and I actually got engaged out there in module number five. So, I just want to preface this, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it, yeah. Um, I just want to say this, if you're in a small group, like a couples group in module number five, just know love is in the air out there. So, just know what you're getting into, all right? Because, you know, just, just very thankful for the opportunity. But, we're gonna start this week with a quick recap of last week, because if it's your first week, maybe this is part of a series called God Hates. So maybe you're like, whoa, God, what? You know, that's not the God that I know, but we'll talk more about that. But last week, Pastor Keith, he talked about pride, how God hates pride, and he he went through all the reasons why, and if you missed that message, I encourage you to go check it out because it's really good, and it's really insightful, and we need to hear that. But for a quick recap, and let me say this, some of my scriptures won't be on the screen, and I apologize. That's not the media team's fault. That's my fault, but bear with me. But the first scripture is 1 John 4, 7 through 11, and we we read this last week to kind of set the tone. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves God is a child of God, and knows God, right? But anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. And God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into this world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins, Right? Dear friend, since God loved us so much, surely we ought to love each other. And that's a lot for a Sunday morning. I know it's still early. Some of y'all had the ice cream from the first service, so you're hyped up. Maybe you're awake. Maybe you got all that. But that's a sermon in a nutshell right there. But to kind of unpack that, in verses 7 and 8, what jumped out to me was it said, anyone who loves God knows God. When you love someone, you, you know them. Right? I mean, that's, that's part of the process. Getting to know them, you fall in love, it's a beautiful thing. And I don't mean love like, you know, we say the word love, we kind of toss it around. Like, oh, I love my spouse, and I love Taco Bell, you know. I love, I love my kids, and, you know, I love, you know, watching that show on TV. You know, we kind of use that word loosely these days. But I'm talking about capital L-O-V-E, love commitment. Relationship love, because that's what this is. It's a relationship, isn't it? That's what it should be. It shouldn't be like, you know, we've all done it. Treated God kind of like a spiritual ATM, you know, just (laughs) making deposits until we hit the overdraft, and we're like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, I need to make a make a, I mean, making withdrawals. And then we need to make a deposit. I think I said that backwards. But when you love someone, you try to do more of what they like and less of what they hate. And it's surprising to hear that God hates. We don't normally talk about that. Normally, a lot of times today, we always focus on the good stuff, the warm, the fuzzy stuff. We take a story like Noah's Ark, for example. I mean, dark. I mean, the destruction of all humanity, except for a small, select few. And we simplify that down to a bunch of smiling animals rocking on a boat. I mean, that's a very small portion of the big picture. We're not telling the whole story. We're doing ourselves a disservice. We're doing this world a disservice. They need to know that, hey, there's, you know, parts of God that we don't always talk about. And hate is a strong word, but what you have to understand is, is when you love something, you hate the things that do harm to that thing. And so because God is love, he hates, And what we mean by that, to unpack that, because God loves righteousness, he hates evil, right? Because God loves justice, he hates injustice, hates it. And because God loves sinners, and that's you and that's me, by the way, if you didn't know. Because he loves us, he hates the sin in our lives because he knows it separates us from him. And it causes us to live less than the life that he purposed for us. So our responsibility, just like in any relationship, is once we learn what they love and they hate, is simple. Do more of what they love and do less of what they hate. It's a respect thing, right? I mean, take for example my beautiful wife, who's sitting in the front row here. She loves things, and she hates things. I've come to figure these things out as we've been together. For example, she loves it when I fix her a snack for no reason at all. You'd never know it by looking at her, but she eats all the time. She is hungry, constantly. And she loves it when she doesn't have to ask for it. I just say, hey, baby, here you go. She loves that. But she hates stuff, too. Don't you? For example, she hates it when I drive her vehicle and leave the parking brake on. (laughs) She hates that because, well, I hate it, too, because then I get a phone call after she's drove the kids all the way to school with the parking brake on. (laughs) That smell, guys, that smell don't go away. That's, That's stout. But she loves stuff. We're in a relationship, right? Like she loves it when I, you know, play her a song on the guitar, which I don't do as much now anymore, but I need to. But she hates it when I crunch ice. Anybody else? Some people just, you, yeah, you get it. Yeah? Yeah. She hates it, right? And so we could be driving in the car, windows down, radio blaring, just having a great time. And she can hear... So she claims, over all that noise, she can hear me crunch, crunch, crunching that ice. How she can hear it, I'll never know. She is a hearing specialist. Maybe that's something to do with it. I'll never know. But so what do I do? As a loving husband in a, in a relationship, I try to do less of what she hates, right? So now I don't even, I don't even drink drinks with ice in it and I don't even like to look at ice. I won't even drink a drink unless it's been boiled just to make sure there's no ice in there because I do not want to experience that again, right? But really, because I love her, I value what she loves and what she hates and I try to do more of what she loves and less of what she hates. It's simple. That's what God's asking us for here. He's telling us, hey, this is what I love and this is what I hate, you know, so you need to incorporate that into your life. So, we're going to pick up where Pastor Keith left off last week. Pride. Quick recap on pride. God hates pride. He hates a proud look. Pride destroys not only the lives of those who are prideful, but the lives of those around them. See, because that's the way sin works. You might think you may have a sin in your life. Hey, we all do. But you may think, well, this sin, it's it's not so bad because it's only affecting me guys, it don't work that way. There's no sin that only affects you. You may not realize it. You may not see it. You may not understand it right now, but I promise you that is affecting people around you. Proverbs 16, 18. Last week, we talked about pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And Pastor Keith taught about how pride is the root of rebellion. It was a great message. You need to go check it out. So this week, we're going to pick up where he left off, like I said, in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, that was last week, a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among brethren. Today we're going to talk about how God hates lying and hands that kill the innocent. And these last days, we have to align our values with God's values. We have to love what God loves and we have to hate what God hates. It's not about being open-minded or or trendy or with the times because you can be so open-minded that your brain just falls right out and you're not making any decisions for yourself. God hates lying. Why? Because he is truth. And I don't mean he's honest. I don't mean that's a part of his character. I mean, he is truth. That's who he is. I don't know how else to say it. God despises lies because they deceive others. They lead people astray. And a partial lie is still a complete lie. That's something the world today, like, ah, you know, just give them enough of the truth to, you know, get through. Be all right. A good friend of mine told me one time at a time in my life when I really needed to hear it. And he took me by the hand. And he said, Ryan, he said, the sin in your life, he said, anything that you try to cover, that you try to keep hidden, a guy's going to uncover it. God's going to bring it to the light. He's going to, because he loves you too much to leave you there, to to let that be a part of who you are permanently. He wants that out. So anything that Ryan tries to cover, God's going to uncover. But, He said, right? He said, anything that you go ahead and uncover, anything that you bring to the light, the Lord is faithful to cover, and he will take care of. I don't know about you, but guys, that that simple little analogy, that changed my life. Because for a long time, I bought bought into the concept of 90% of the truth is enough. Not according to this book, it ain't. So... I'll work on that. You want to know why I believe lying is a big deal? You ever read Acts chapter five? Ananias and uh, Sapphira? Couple in the church, right? They did a good thing. They had a lot of land. They went and sold some of that land and I said, hey, we're going to give the money to the church. You know, I don't know, maybe they were... Doing a, Maybe they were funding, sending some youth off to Bethlehem camp for the summer or, or, or you know, trying to fund the next uh, church plant. Hey, we don't know the reasons why they did it. We just know that they did it. They did a good thing. But they messed up because when they brought that money to the church and they brought it to Peter and they said, Hey, Peter, we sold our land. And here's all the money, all of it, 100% giving it to the Lord. And that was a lie. It doesn't say exactly how much they gave, but the Bible says they didn't give all of it, even though they said they did. What happened? Dead on the spot, Ananias. Boom. Hit the floor. Right there where he was. God didn't wait for him to leave the premises. Dead on the spot. A couple hours later, his wife, the fire, comes in, not knowing what had happened to her her husband, Hours before and tells the same story. Hey, Peter, check it out. Sold our land. Here's all the money. Dead on the spot. Hey, maybe even the same spot. <laughs> we don't know. Doesn't say. God takes this seriously. They had done a good thing, right? They lied about it. We gotta be honest. It's important to God. And God wants us to know the truth. He wants us to tell the truth. And Jesus said, Jesus said, I tell you the truth 78 times in the New Testament. The truth is important. And Jesus, he goes further in John chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, You would know who my father is. And from now on, you do know him because you've seen me. Guys, it doesn't say that he's a truth, that he's one of the many truths, that he's, you know, option C on this list of truths. No, it says he is the truth, guys. This world today, it's always looking for options and variables and back doors. He's the truth. Our world, and our world is starving for it, for truth. You know, when they're looking in all the wrong places, they just don't even know it, you know, because they've been so deceived. This world, all the corruption that's in it. And in this starving world, God, he wants us, you and me, us, to feed his sheep. In order to do that, we, we got to be different. There's got to be something different about us, right? We got to be that salt and light that Matthew chapter 5 talks about. And if you're not familiar, it goes like this. Jesus speaking, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. God's calling us to be different, right? He's calling us to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. And the thing is, God's truth will draw others to him. You don't have to do anything special or fancy or complicated. You just got to be different. Because, guys, we are all made with this God-shaped hole. You probably heard it. That only he can fill. And while the world's out there looking for everything to try to fit that void and it don't fit, eventually, eventually, they cross paths with you and they see a difference and they see that truth in your life and they see that love in your life and that hole starts to feel not so empty, they're going to want to know why. Truth draws people to the Lord. You know, it's like this when a, when a jeweler has a precious stone, a beautiful stone, and they have it on display and it's all polished and you're like, hey, that's a nice rock you got there. You know, that's, that's nice. That's expensive, I can tell. But when they really want to set it off, what do they do? They take that beautiful stone, and they set it against a solid black backdrop. Why would they do that? That stone in and of itself is beautiful. It's obviously got great worth. But the contrast between the light from that stone and the (laughs) darkness in the background, it enhances the beauty of the stone, right? And guys, just like our lives, there's beauty in being here this morning and being obedient to the Lord and and being honest and doing the things that God loves. But there's additional beauty in the contrast between the way that we should be living our lives and the way that this world operates. There's beauty in it. John 21, 17 says, Jesus again speaking. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him that question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. God wants us to care for his people. So just like Peter, God asked all believers to be available to feed those who are spiritually starving and to take care of God's people. And this is going to kind of transition us into our next point about looking out for the welfare of one another and not hurting one another. God hates murder. Why does God hate murder? Well, because he's life. Well, we read about in John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's not a life. He's not, he's not on a list of options. He's the way, the truth, the life. Those are definitive statements. And Because God is life, he hates death, right? Specifically, the wrongful death of innocent lives. And in Genesis 2, verse 7, we read about how when the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person, right? When God created man, just like he's still creating today. Like he's designing us and, and putting us together and, you know, planning our entire lives out before we were even born. We're God's creation, right? Well, imagine this, if I can take a quick, quick sidebar. Imagine this. Because as soon as I read that Genesis, the Lord took me straight to the Scripture. And I feel like I need to share it with you. In 1 Kings chapter 6, the Lord has charged Solomon with building a temple to the Lord. Now, up until this point, the Lord didn't really have a permanent temple. You know, there was a lot of moving around and tents and things like that. But they finally got to the point, it's time for a temple. Solomon, I want you to build it. Here's the plans, here's the materials, here's the dimensions, all the specifications. And you can read all the chapters about how they... Paid very close attention and followed every detail of every instruction, not, not to miss a thing. And I'm sure, in the end, it was beautiful. Breathtaking, marvelous, covered in gold, the incense, I mean, all the finest materials. Now imagine this beautiful building. And they're, they're out there worshiping. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of this. You know, because God could have spoken that temple into existence. You know, just like he spoke time and matter and everything else, right? He could have done it, but he chose to involve us just like he still does today. He chose to involve us, or involve Solomon and them, in building that temple. So imagine them praising the Lord. God, thank you for allowing us to be involved in this. Thank you. You're so good. God, you're so awesome. And then somewhere off in the in the background, bang, bang, bang. Like, whoa, what is that? You know, trying to worship the Lord here, Right. So anyways, it stops. They get back to worshiping. They're they're in it. They're feeling it. Bang, bang, bang. Somebody over there has got a dang chisel and a a hammer going to the temple of the Lord, just hammering on it, chipping that gold. You see gold flakes flying everywhere. Imagine that. Crazy, right? Or imagine this. If you're this morning, you pull into the parking lot here at Liberty Church, and somebody's out there with a hard hat and a jackhammer, you know, just going to the wall over there, just tearing things up, and you're like, hey, they didn't, they didn't announce any construction, you know, I don't, what's that guy doing? He'd say, hey, stop, cut it out. Right? We would never imagine taking a hammer to the house of God, or to the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? We'd never do that. Not intentionally, right? 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 17 says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Guess what? If you're that temple, so is the person sitting next to you. So is your neighbor that you don't like, and you built that privacy fence just so you never have to see him. Uh, So is that person at work, you know, that got the promotion that you should have got. And all those terrible things you've been saying about them behind their back, you are literally taking a hammer and chisel to the temple of the Holy Spirit you didn't know, now you know. Cut it out, all right? Don't do it again. This is all about doing more of what God loves and less of what God hates. When we attack each other, whether whether physically or or with words, I just read that. (laughs) John 3, 16 through 17, it says this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God hates murdering. He hates violence against the innocent. He is a champion for the innocent. And when you kill God's people, you declare war on God and heaven's army. God's justice declares victory for the innocent. So, Guys, you can fight God or you can fight with God, but God is a defender for the defenseless, and it's his love that holds all this together. And so we're going to start wrapping things up here with this final scripture. So um, if the musicians are available, maybe the keys or however we're going to do it this morning, I'm not sure. But y'all just make your way up as you can, no rush. But as we begin to do more of what God loves and less of what he hates. There's going to be a conflict in that contrast. Not everybody will like that contrast. Not everybody will appreciate the beauty in that contrast. Some people will be offended by that contrast. You're not open-minded, you know? Why you got to tell the whole truth? Why we got to spill all the details, you know? It'll be okay. Well, what I'm saying is there may be some pushback right, from this world. And so Romans 8, 35 and 38 says this. Can anything, anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or if we are persecuted or hungry or destitute in danger or threatened with death? For as the scriptures say, For your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, guys, listen to this. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell. Cannot separate us from God's love. Guys, in today's world, loving God probably means we'll be hated. That's okay. Because victory is still ours. Because God is truth, we can trust him. You know, like a good pilot in an airplane, hey, it may get bumpy at times. He doesn't say it won't. But you're not going down. Right? So it's simple. Want to do more of what God loves? like any good relationship. We want to do our part. He's given us everything. The only thing we can give him in return is our lives. That's all we have. And even that is really on loan. You know, you don't know how long you have. So do it today. Choose today. Say, God, maybe you didn't know. Now you know. You know, maybe there's a reason you're here today because you've had a little deception in your life and Lord wants you to know, hey, I'm calling you higher. Let's Get that out. Maybe you've been taking a pickaxe and a hammer to some of your brothers and sisters. Maybe you didn't know. Now you know. Stop doing it. All right? God's calling us higher. The reason he gave us this book, it's an instruction manual, guys. Do this. Don't do that. We overcomplicate it. It's simple. He made it simple. If salvation was complicated and tricky, more people might try it. If it was some great quest that we had to go on and achieve and, and we could tout our accomplishments and show our medals, you know, maybe, maybe we'd buy in. But it's simple. He made the way. So I want to do two things this morning. And Pastor Keith told me I could have a little liberty, so if you're watching, thank you for that liberty. But I know we don't normally do altar calls, per se, but I just want to make the altar available. You don't have to come. It's between you and the Lord. But two things. One, hey, maybe you don't know them. Maybe you don't love them. Today is a good day to start, right? You know, maybe if you feel, that, you feel that little tug on your shirt, hey, that's the Holy Spirit. And don't worry about the person you rode with. And don't worry about the person sitting behind you. It's got nothing to do with them. This is between you and the author of your soul and the creator of the universe. If you've got some housekeeping to do, if if, if we could have maybe a couple members of the prayer team just available. If you've got some housekeeping to do between you and the Lord, hey, the altar's going to be available. But two, like we said, hey, if you need to make that commitment or two, if you've made that commitment but you've not been living in the fullness of, of understanding what he loves and what he hates. Now you know. And he's, he's gentle. He's a good father. You know, he's a good, good father. He, he understands and he corrects us gently. And that's all this is. It's a gentle correction, guys. But Lord, but guys, it's, it's been my privilege this morning to share this stage that I respect so much. And it's my prayer that you will take this word and just like it's, it's been working on me, that it'll work on you and that... As a result of this message and this series, that we will be more like the Lord and a little bit less like ourselves. That's the goal every day. A little bit, one step at a time. So I'm going to pray us out. Altars will be open. We love you guys. Father, God, we're just thankful for who you are. That you love us enough to make it clear. You put it black and white, ink on paper, God, so there's no There's no way to forget it. There's no way to misunderstand it. It's there because you want us to know. You want us to live to our fullest potential that when you were knitting us together, that you designed us for. So God, anything that is in our lives today that you hate, God, we just ask that today, you would help us to shed that, that we would leave it at these altars, that we would leave it at this church, leave it in that seat, God. How you do, it's between you and them. But, Lord, today is the day we want to walk in freedom. I mean, it's no coincidence the name of this church is Liberty. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. And God, Holy Spirit, you are Lord here today. And we turn this service and these hearts over to you to do what only you can do. We pray this in your precious... In holy name, amen. Thank you, Ryan, for that great word.